everyone to the CatsCorner.com podcast. CatsCorner.com, your source for the sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, July the 15th. Um, the Cavaliers are back in, in Charlottesville working out. Uh, we finally got a chance to talk to Bronco Mendenhall for a little bit. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff around, I don't know, around the football universe i guess you could say everything makes it seem like um football is not going to happen but we, but in the in in the uh i'm going to channel my inner bronco and say we're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to focus on the stockdale paradox which is that um even when you're realistic about the situation on the ground you have to not lose faith um that good things can happen so that's what we're going to do um no we're not we're totally going to be in our feels about the fact that football is probably not happening. Anyway, let, uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce somebody. First up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my dude? It's going okay. Man, on the scale of one to ten, I'm finishing beer number two. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber also on the program. How's it going, dude? Just getting into it today. No topics, no rundowns, got nothing. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Let's go. Wow, it's like it's like he wants to do the speed podcast. Um, no, Cash it's Corner. not about it's not about how long it takes. I just want to see what happens when we just go in with absolutely nothing. That's true. And just see what happens. Uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and when uh, when I'm allowed to tweet, uh, the occasional we banter. Um, that was a weird couple hours or whatever it was um, earlier this evening. Um, for the record, B is for ball game. All right, so. I guess I don't. I don't even know where to start, dude. Like um, the 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 Big Ten is is going to go conference only. Um, we talked last week about you know the ACC. We we looked at our schedule um, ideas and we talked about Notre Dame and the whole you know rigmarole. The league has not since then. The league has not obviously come out and said, "Hey, this is what we're going to do." Um, what has happened to this point is that there is a lot of conversation around pods. There's a lot of conversation around regional regionalism or whatever. Um, and certainly there's also a lot of conversation um, about the fact that, you know, in, in Virginia, high school football doesn't appear to be happening, at least in the fall. Um, so the question, I guess, becomes uh, at this point, what are we what are we doing here? Right. Like uh, I mentioned earlier, the whole idea that, you know, Stockdale paradox, whatever. And I wrote a story about, you know, kind of the 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 logistical nightmare that is this whole thing. Um, but it certainly seems like from, I don't know, reading tea leaves and such that we're all it's just like death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, I, I would ask Dave because Dave usually starts me off. Um, I would ask if you're optimistic about football being played. Uh, I know the answer to that question. Um, I guess at this point, let's focus on UVA. So the Cavaliers come back, uh, two positive tests out of 110 tested. Broncos seems to think that's pretty strong. Um, the logistical side of things, like I said, is is kind of a nightmare. Um, but it seems like UVA is 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 doing it. I don't know as best as you can or whatever. I guess we'll have to wait until maybe a week from now and see if there is another range of tests. Um, Dave, how encouraged are you, at least in terms of UVA's return back to Charlottesville, back to work? Um, do you think it was a good idea for them to be, you know, as Bronco said, kind of jammed up against the, the mandatory time frame and, um, you know, therefore they didn't kind of um, put the kids back together until they were close enough to get near that? How, how are you feeling about things, at least as it pertains to UVA? Yeah, I mean – they're back. I, mean, I understand why they did it. I, I did like the fact that you know, UVA was one of the, not the last, but one of the the latest arriving Power Five teams, um, which I thought spoke well to, you know, them not wanting to bring players back before they kind of understood how they were going to handle it and how best to approach it once they did arrive back on campus. And you know, there's a lot of talk out there. Like, you know, there, I've seen some some articles saying maybe it is safer for the kids to be on campus and back home where, you know, where a lot of kids come from less fortunate backgrounds and are exposed to, to more than they would be in this, you know, centralized um, structure of a college football program. But um, I don't know. I mean, overall it just like seeing the video of the players working out wearing like the neck gaiters today, which, you know, is mind blowing <laughs> to see, um, you know, them, them going through that with all the rigmarole we're having about mass compliance uh, within the Commonwealth um, and nationwide. Like, it, it's just 
the whole thing's just surreal, man. Like, you know, in my, I thought, you know, seeing Virginia win a national title was something I could never imagine. And this is like, you know, so much less imaginable than even that was, um, mainly because the outcome is, you know, negative and I don't get, you know, my sports aren't normal. I don't have my normal routine. Um, you know, I've got all this free time during the week, not tied up watching sports. Uh, at this point, I think I've exhausted every replay you can watch on YouTube. And, um, you know, overall, it, it just still, it just still feels weird. Like, you know, every day that passes and something doesn't happen, like, I mean, I think if you're a fan, you start to get optimistic, but, you know, as intelligent men, like, you know, and women, like, it, if you follow sports, like, it, it almost seems inevitable. So you don't know how to feel. Like, the encouragement you get seeing something and even seeing the workout video today got me excited for a second. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's probably nothing. Um, so I don't know. It's, <laughs> it, it just, I feel I, I'm probably in the same boat as every other person who's taken the time to listen to this podcast. Like, you want it so much. But, you know, if you're a person who cares about the, you know, the well-being and of the student athlete, like you're torn. Ferber, uh, Bronco said something uh, Monday um, during his media availability that um, that really I don't know I, I wouldn't say surprised me. I, I wrote a whole column about the part that surprised me. He was talking about schedules and he was talking about um, ACC only. He's talking about how he doesn't want to play pods, how he's not really for playing multiple you know, playing multiple games against the same teams in the same season. Um, but if that was the best place, best way for them to get football back, then obviously they would do that. But he was talking about maybe being able to essentially play nothing but regional games, right? So you could play your conference's opponents that were close, but also too, you could play some out of conference opponents because they're close. Um, do you care about the season? If Virginia plays, you know, four ACC games, four non-conference games against, I don't know, um, William Mary, uh, ODU, Liberty, and JMU, right? Like, do you care about the season as much? It doesn't matter. What, or is this just going to be one of the situations, like Dave said, where you, you just want football and you, and you don't really care what it looks like once it gets here? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think in the moment it'll be, you know, it'll be worth watching because, um, you know, every college player has a shelf life on how long they get to play for. Uh, in a sense, I could almost see a situation where you would say, you know, like I'd rather them just not play this year because it's going to be this weird truncated year. Um, no matter what, it's not going to feel like any other year. And hopefully if everything's back to normal next year, then, you know, this year will be like an extreme one-off. Um, you know, you almost think like, man, I'd rather just cancel it, keep everybody's eligibility and then roll it over to the next year. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's kind of an interesting question to answer because, at, 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 you know, in one way I would say, like, yeah, it'll be worth it to watch whatever is there. But at the same time, I don't really know how I'm going to feel like five years from now about it, you know, because we could look back and be like, oh, that's – and I feel like this is probably what's going to happen if football does get played now or in the spring um, since we already know that it's not going to be a full schedule just based on what the Big Ten is doing. Um I think we will in inevitably look back on this season and say, like, oh, that season was kind of weird. Um, you know, like, it doesn't really – I wouldn't say, like, it doesn't count, but I think that's the way people look at it. Um, and I feel like they'll probably look at the previous basketball season the same way in terms of, like, oh, yeah, that's the year they didn't have a postseason. Just, you know, it, we can't really talk about that like we talk about every other year, if that makes sense. But I think you take what you can get as long as it's safe – um, now, I mean, if, if there's no like bowl games or anything, it almost becomes like, all right, these are almost just exhibitions. So you can like get the players on the field and then get ready for next year. And I almost feel like that's the way a lot of schools are probably going to look at it. Well, and there's also too the piece where you're not really sure, even if you play like Bronco was talking about, well, and I, and I, and I appreciate where he's coming from the idea that like, listen, if we don't know, you know, first of August, what the season's going to be like, we don't have an idea. Um, you know, that's too late, right? It has to be sometime in late July. We need to know what's what. Um, but then he also said that essentially like anything less than eight games feels like, you know, you're asking the kids to do a lot um, for not a lot of reward, so to speak, right? But I thought it was interesting is that um, if you think about it, like you could get to mid-September and everything shuts down. Like it, it's not even a situation where even if you have a plan and that plan says you're going to play 10 games, 
Like, at any point, the thing could stop. I mean, that's what obviously happened to the NCAA tournament. Um, I was thinking about earlier today, and I don't know how prepared we are to do this, and we, we specifically were trying to, you know, to go, like, no notes or whatever into this. But remember we used to do – we've done a couple of those, like, um, deal or no deal games, right? And I was thinking about this today, like, <laughs> would you have traded – one basically the end of one basketball season and all of the next football season to get it to win a national championship right and i understand that like in implied in the question is a um is a levity that um so i'm certainly not trying to make light of the reality of the virus and such i'm just talking about in the sports context um and i and i and i wonder how many people because kind of the situation on the ground right now right how many people would say no? Like I'm, I'm, I'm in desperate need of some distraction. Um, but it does seem surreal to think that like there's a very real chance right now that that you could you could basically have a spring with no NCAA tournament and a fall without football. Um, and there's no way to sugarcoat like that. There's that's just that just is horrible. Like there's just no way around that. Um, do we think it's right, Dave? For the kids to be preparing the way they are. Like how, I mean, you, you, you kind of got it. You said yourself, you saw some yeah. video, you got exciting. Like, Oh, well, you know, it's not gonna matter. Um, do you think that we're, we're that, they, that they're right for letting the kids get, get going like they're going to launch the, the ship um, on, on yeah. Uh, yeah. Labor Day night? I think it's fun. Like where they are now, it's a question of what they do moving forward. It seems like the ACC and um, SEC and who has a big 12, are going to wait till late July, early August to make any announcements on the schedule. And if you know, that's before official practice can start, but I believe they will be ramped up to like 20 hours a week before then. If, and I'm waiting for Justin to correct me on that. Um, I, I believe that's right. Yeah. So yeah, cause they have that acclimation period and yeah. everything too. And I mean, I think I'm fine with all that because you know, you're not, you're not having contact. You're just getting the guys in shape, um, in a bubble, so to speak, because their undergrads aren't going to be back on campus yet. Um, I think if you get into August and there's more uncertainty, like if the conferences aren't ready to come out with a plan early August before regular practice would start and when what students are coming back to ground start coming back to, to grounds, I think then you start getting in a gray area where maybe I can't justify it as much. Because, um, I mean, I know, like, I mean, looks there was stuff – there's a lot of parties going to Charlottesville this past weekend. We know evidently our football players have signed off on you know, contracts and are kind of living in their own dorm and having food delivered to them. Um, but they're still in that community, right? And it, you know, they can isolate to a certain point until classes start. So I think we're in a fine area now. It does get a little gray. Um, it's just, you know, it's so hard for me to look at this just from a macro level, like me wanting football, right? Like that's such a – it seems so selfish, but you start looking at it on the individual, like the micro level, like, you know, if there's no season, like Charles Snowden, who's worked to like shine his senior year, and you know, Noah Taylor going to his junior year and, you know, potentially being showing up, showing off enough to get drafted and all the seniors on the team, Rob Snyder, and Terrell Jana, like, um, Glazer, so many on the offensive line, like, those guys have worked so hard to get this year. Like, I'm glad they had a really good last year. You know, um, but what does it mean for guys like that? And you know, I know they can. You know, maybe if there's not a season, they get eligibility again. But then you get into these complicated rosters, and are they would they rather go be a fifth or sixth round pick without that senior year? Um, you know, it, it gets complicated. Then um, the one thing that I'll kind of throw it out for you. One thing that kind of hit me today is like if there was ever a time for the NCAA to show like we, we want to stay, you know, we want amateur athletes. We don't want to have paid athletes because that's, that's their viewpoint, right? But if there's ever a chance for them to show like good graces towards their student athletes, maybe this is a year you kick an extra, say the schools, you can give them a couple thousand a month to stipend during, you know, we'll call it a COVID stipend or whatever. Um, that seems like it would go well to make me feel a little less guilty about seeing these players subjected to this. Um, it's not my money, so I'm okay saying it. What do you think, Ferber? Do you do you feel like we're doing the right thing, getting these kids, you know, 
ready to go. Like Bronco described it as like a you know a, a special ops team getting ready for a mission, just waiting for the green light. Do you think we're doing the right thing by basically getting them there for a green light that a lot of us think won't come? Yeah, I think I think it's okay. Um, I I don't. I mean, obviously this could look stupid next week when some kid gets it and goes to the hospital or something. Um, but I mean, hope not. But um, I think it's okay just because. Like, I think Dave said this, but, um, you know, there's not a lot of other students there. They're not interacting with anybody but themselves. They're getting tested. Um, anybody who's testing positive is quarantining, um, just like you would in a normal society. I mean, you know, I, I don't think it's, I don't think we're at the point now. I mean, if they were like, hey, we're going to have full contact practice with no COVID testing right now, that I would be like, that's ridiculous. You can't do that. Um, but I think this is about as safe as you get. And you see all these other teams when they get seven eight nine positives they're they're stopping what they're doing to try to limit the spread and slow things down and kind of like reassess where they are before they start back up which i think is prudent i think the reason that people are assuming that football is going to be canceled is not because you know it doesn't work for the players that are already there necessarily and even that you know in some places might be a problem it's once it's like what dave said once you get all the other students back on grounds then you have so many, like thousands of people going in different directions, staying in different houses, going to different classes. Some wear masks when they're supposed to. Some probably aren't. You know, um, college campuses, from my experiences, are normally not the most hygienic places in the world. Um, so I think that's when you start to run into problems. Not to mention the travel element and all that. Um, if they're going to games, I think preparing for the season is fine. Um, and while I wouldn't bet money on it, I mean, in April-ish, or maybe like the beginning of May, it seemed like we were going to be where we were for a really long time. And then we did turn things around, and the numbers did go back down. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not an epidemiologist. I, I haven't looked at the numbers. I, I think there's a chance that maybe like a couple months from now, if people start wearing masks more and stuff, the numbers do go back down and they're like, all right, we might be able to do something now. Um, because this thing is, as we've learned, is unpredictable. I mean, anybody who's going to sit there and be like, this is exactly what's going to happen probably is not 100 percent accurate. Um, you know, you can look at the numbers and give your best guess. And I think that's what everybody's doing now. But we, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in the next two months. So I think preparing for any scenario is probably the way to go as long as it's safe. And I'm pretty comfortable with what's going on at this point. Um, it seems like everybody's taking it seriously around the country and, and trying to, I mean, at least the college football teams, um, and trying to do what's right. So, I mean, we'll just have to see what happens. But I, I don't think that. And, and in UVA situation, I mean, anyone, nobody's being required to be there. So, I mean... I feel like the buy-in is there and everything. So it's if if you don't feel comfortable being there, you talk to the coaches and don't be there, right? So um, anyone that gets it, this is you know, it's it's kind of like they they accepted that risk when they when they did it. And luckily for young people, I mean, the risk is still relatively low of like serious harm, it seems. So um, yeah, I mean, hope you just hope for the best, and and I think it's okay to to do what they're doing now. It's as long as everybody follows the protocols and does what they're supposed to do. There was something yeah, else I mean, from to um, me. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say there was something else when Bronco's talking about logistics, right? So he says our players are all in a dorm or a series of dorms that are all together. There's one exit, one entry into the dorms. Anything that is after hours, we have a checkpoint. They're monitoring anyone in and out. Players are masking and social distancing. They're staying with others that they'll be staying with later in the year when the rest of the students arrive in terms of their off-grounds housing. So those accommodations have already been made. There's no visitors in their rooms, family or friends, or even other players. Once the players are in their rooms, there's no visitors. Common spaces are outside, and those picnic tables or chairs are already spaced appropriately. All of their meals they pick up from outside in a tent and take back to their room. When they come to the McHugh, they have to check in. They show a Q code that asks you a series of questions that you reply to. If you apply, uh, if you reply appropriately, the doors open, and then there's a trainer right there to take your temperature. If the temperature is appropriate and the questionnaire is appropriate, then you get a wristband. Once you get a wristband, it lasts for the rest of the day. You go through the protocol the very next morning. You do that every day as we continue. All right. I don't know, and I'm curious to get your guys' feedback on this. How sustainable is that? The idea that college kids, right, are and listen, I'm not, I'm certainly not gonna, you know, um, denigrate any any college kid who wants to have fun, right? Because like that's supposed to be a fun time in your life. Um, but 
no visitors at all. Like basically you hang out with your roommate um, and that's it. Um, nobody gets to come to your house. Nobody gets to come to your apartment. Nobody gets to come hang out. Um, I mean, that just feels on its face like something that is incredibly going to be incredibly difficult to sustain. Dave, when you hear that yeah. kind of level of specificity, what are your thoughts? Do you think that that's sustainable? Yeah, it goes back to what I was saying, like feeling guilty for wanting college football. Like you're, what are you subjecting these guys to? They're not paid. I mean, you know, we're seeing professionals in bubbles have to quarantine because they can't stay in a bubble where they're being paid to stay. These guys, they don't have to go to class. They don't have classwork. Like, how does this work when class starts? Um, I mean, there's a part of me that's just wondering, like, at, you know, you, I, I think we all agree there's not going to be a normal football season, right? Like, the chances of playing a, a 12, 13 games, you know, 13 I think that ship has sailed. Are zero, right? Yeah. So, that's what is the ins- What's the incentive of not just saying, let's wait till December to start practice and play January to March? And I mean, I think the answer is then rosters get uncomfortable and the, yeah. the really good teams don't know who they are going to have eligible in the spring. Like, is Trevor Lawrence going to play if you play in the spring and he's got the draft coming? Probably not. Um, which begs the question, why are you playing? Like, are you playing <laughs> because it's an amateur sport or you're playing because you want to win? Um so, I mean, it, it's just so, like, I mean, it's football, right? Like, that's what it boils. It's a sport. It, it really does. It. Like, we're all going to feel bad for the guys who miss it. And there's players who will never play again after college. And um, and this trickles down to high school where, you know, Virginia's not going to have football this fall, obviously. And most states are probably going to follow suit. Um, it's just, right now, it seems so big. Five years from now, if we do it right, it'll seem like nothing. But, that doesn't matter because you know you've got these these players that I'm concerned about and like I, I want them to have a great experience. Um, you know, getting back to how functional it is to do this week after week. It goes back to something I said in the last podcast. Like it, that's great when you're in the off season. Everyone thinks they can win their games, but if you're playing seven games and you're zero and two, like do you care at that point? Zero um, and three, you know, one and one and four. Like at some point, like the demands become. Like the return on your investment right. is gone. So right. why continue to do it? And then if you get four or five weeks into the season and half the teams that have lost don't want to do this anymore, what's the point of getting into it to start with? So I think even when we get a start date, like what it looks like at the end is going to be so different. Um, and you know, there's going to be fan bases that are upset. There's going to be individuals that are upset. Um, and there, there's going to be players who get potentially cheated out of year of eligibility. Um, to, to kind of rush into something that like, that's what I get back to. Like when you can't, when a professional league can't do it without hiccups, how can you expect a, a non, you know, a, a bunch of individual schools who are pretty much making up their own rules since there's no governing body per se um, outside of the conferences. How can you expect that to look normal for multiple weeks? Yeah. Um, these are so depressing. <laughs> Here's something I was thinking about. So we got we got some uh, email the other day about um, Rivals is playing in a virtual publishers conference, right? And so this actually is a nice little microcosm to me because obviously just about every, I'm pretty sure every Power 5 team has a rival site, right? And then you just got basically one publisher and then whatever staff they might have, right? Well, they're going to keep this thing to publishers only. Okay, fair. Um, and it occurred to me, like, as they're trying to work out, they're like, oh, we, we still need to have some conversations to figure out the schedule. And I'm like, here is a time where you're just trying to get, you know, however many of us there is, right? You're just trying to get us all on the same page. It's like herding cats, right? Imagine trying to herd not just, um, a hundred, you know, people or whatever the number is off the top of my head. I don't know. Um, but if every single one of them also had hundreds of other people, right? Like it is. It is not the same as a professional league. It's not like the NBA just says, hey, let's go to Disney. It's not like the NHL. It's not like Major League Baseball. Um, it's a completely different animal. And the fact that everything is spread out, I mean, man, wouldn't it be nice to be back in the old ACC where you only had you know, a handful of teams and they were all basically in the same kind of geographic location? Because even if you try to you know, quote-unquote play conference games only, for the ACC, that spans the entire eastern seaboard, you know, and randomly to Indiana, <laughs> Um, Have fun busing to everywhere, Miami. Right, exactly. You know, and even if you're chartering planes and stuff like that's the other thing. Today's point earlier about like why are we, you know, why are we doing this? We're doing this because let's be let's be real about it. 
we all want football because we like football, right? The schools want football because they need football. They need it bad. Like the and and Bronco mentioned this. Like he he's very aware of like what it means for the athletic department to have football, and without it, that the other sports are really going to struggle. Um, and I think that you know it's great that the Ivy League says no football this year. You know, other leagues have you know smaller leagues have said you know no football this year. There's a reason we haven't seen any of the Power Five leagues say no football this fall. Um, and I used to think that that was really kind of sad, right? That the money of it all controlled. But when you start thinking about like the number of kids that are impacted by that, it's not just like those of us who want football and football teams, right? It's not even like you know big wig executives who make a bunch of money, though that's those people are included. It's also like random you know, Olympic sport kids, right. Who probably don't have a program if their football, if their school's football program can't play football. Um, and I think that we got to be mindful of that as we have these conversations about, you know, whether they should or shouldn't play. I think for a lot of people, the idea of the virus and, and the idea of safety, that's all that matters. Right. And, and I'm not saying that that's not still paramount. You know, I'm, I'm a person with a kid who, you know, talking about going back to school and there's a whole lot there. So I, I get it. But, at the same time, like I think we have to be mindful that like these football decisions are not solely football decisions. They are athletic department decisions, and they have to be because the tentacles of you know, like just like with COVID and the way this thing impacts everything, right? Like not having football will be a huge detriment to a lot of programs. I mean, heck, Stanford's out there canceling yeah. non NCAA sanctioned sports. Like that's Stanford. what I was just about to say. Like. Yeah, and you hit it. Like I, I, I 100% agree. Like the, the safety and well-being of everybody is the most important thing. But people are like, there can't, you can't play football. You can't do it. There's, it's so stupid. It's asinine. There's no reason they should play. And I understand that. But then when schools like Stanford cut sports, those same people are like, what the hell? Like how is like, I can't believe they're doing that. It's like that's the financial cost of not playing football. It's not, you know, th- there are plenty of people who are reasonable, right-minded, you know people that understand the severity of what's going on or enter in athletic administration and normally would say, you know, like we probably shouldn't do this, but they're like, well, it might be, you know, at a certain point, the money becomes, it's the same thing as the, like anything else, you know, it's not really safe to be at work, but it's like, Hey, if I live paycheck to paycheck and need my job, I'm probably going to throw a mask on and go for it. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's not that dire necessarily, but it's the same concept. At a certain point, the money kind of dictates what you do. And you think about, like, I mean, Dave, you, you have a small business. Like, um, there is no game plan or, like, playbook for a pandemic. You know, you could plan for being closed for a few days for snow. But, like, there was never, like, a conversation where it's like, well, what happens if we have to close for six months or whatever, you know? Like, it's yeah. just it's a completely part of the year. Right, yeah, it's just a complete, and also the the thing that you sell is completely also affected by this thing that is forcing you to close. Um, It's a complete, like, one-off scenario, and you're seeing, like, the financial viability of everybody's athletic departments just being stretched to the limit. Um, Maybe, I think a lot of the big departments could probably survive one year without football, too. I don't know what you do. Then, then it's like you have to redo like the whole model, or or some, or everybody's gonna have to take massive loans or something. Um, I'm not exactly sure what would happen at that point. I believe Carla said UVA has already lost thirty to forty million, um, or running behind thirty to forty million. That was before you know before any potential cancellations for football, um, or maybe it was thirty to forty percent. I can't remember. I've read so many. Maybe it was thirty percent. They were down. That sounds more like it because they, yeah, thirty percent, and that's a, that's a big number, right? Um, and even if like the Power Five can survive this, like there is zero percent chance that the number of teams playing college football and you know college basketball and you know this is going to be the same next year. Like there's going to be some programs that have to cut big pro, you know, some schools have to cut big programs just because the the money's not there. Um, and if this, you know. <laughs> Not to be super alarmist, because, um, but like at some point, the universities themselves start becoming in jeopardy. You know, if you're not able to yeah. have class on in on campus, then why? it's a for-profit industry, and when you're not yeah. making any money, <laughs> that's yeah, how it works. Exactly. It's the same as any other business. People don't go to a restaurant; it goes out of business. Yeah, and then you, you know, of course, you know, if if you're not 
your students aren't on campus and you can't charge them room and board, like who's paying for you know, all yeah. the money? Like, and also, right, I like, don't think it's right that these universities would charge students full tuition to take online classes because a big part of what you're paying for is the college experience, which you then no longer get, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're paying for. It's it's the connections. It's the networking. It's learning, you know, learning to be an adult and you know, have your own responsibilities. Um, but that that just that gets clouded by all this. Um, I mean, the tentacles of this whole thing, like we can't even think about everything that's going to be affected about this because we've never seen anything like it um, in our lifetime at least. I mean, like to me, like this is probably closer to maybe this is terrible and I'll get roasted for it. But the only thing I can think of is like World War Two when schools had to shut down because, you know, of everything going on in the world. Um, and back then it wasn't nearly as like financially – no, dependent no. on so much money, right? I mean, like these yeah. universities weren't charging ridiculous obscene fees and relying on million dollar TV contracts to stay afloat back then. Yeah, yeah, you weren't paying coaches 10 million a year and you know, paying buyouts that same amount. So, there's a lot. Maybe it maybe it's a reset that 5 years down the road college athletics needed, but um it's just like the short-term yeah. implications are just so huge and there there's you know, from the players to the coaches to the staffs to the facilities. Um, I mean, I mean, I think we said in our text thread, like, I mean, think about all these schools that have added on their football fields. Like, what, what do you think is going to – how long do you think it will be before you have 100,000 people packed into a stadium again? It's hard to see that happening in the next <laughs> as soon as it year. can, as, as soon as it can be possible? Like, oh, as soon as it's possible, it will happen. But, like, it, it's just, like, that concept. Like, when you go watch old games and you see fans, like, on top of each other, like, that seems so foreign now. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, just like looking back, like um, I was I saw on Instagram or something, and I saw like some like English Premier League highlight from like March, and I was like, that wasn't that long ago, and it was like packed with people, people breathing all over each other. I was like, this is. Awkward. <laughs> it is funny. It is funny how like quickly high fiving strangers. Yeah, it's it's funny how quickly your brain changes. Like uh, my kid's birthday was Monday. And so she finished the first Harry Potter book. And so we're watching the Harry Potter book, watching Harry Potter book, watching the Harry Potter movie for her birthday. And like, there are all these scenes of like all these kids at these tables. I'm like, y'all need to space out. Like, it's just funny the way like it, it kind of, uh, it kind of sits in your mind like that. Um, but what I also too was thinking like your point about like, you know, how long is it going to be? I mean, you know, it does feel like, and I, and listen, I know I made this mistake in March because I thought, you know, they're going to figure out a way to play the NCAA tournament. And I was wrong. And I spent the next few months convinced that they would be able to find a way to play football and certainly trending in the wrong direction, even though, you know, the, um, the guillotine hasn't come down yet. Um, it, and back like then said, football was so far away. It was like, right. Exactly. It felt figured out by then. It felt like we an like, eternity. I was looking at my old work emails the other day and they were like, Oh, we're only going to work from home for two weeks and then we'll be back. Like that was because remember back then it was like after two weeks, everybody yes. will have not, you know, it's gone. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, oh man, there's this, um, there's this uh, program that my kids school used, right. Where they were supposed to, when they were went home and they were supposed to do these assignments and whatever. And, uh, they had to do these things and they would record like these little messages, like for their teacher. Oh, you know, I did this and I did that or whatever. And I remember Abigail left some message for her, like her class. And it was like, I'll see everybody in two weeks. And I remember she went back and listened to a bunch of them, like, you know, a month and a half, two months in. And it was so sad to like hear her go from, you know, two weeks to when the weeks are over to when the weeks are over to when we ever get back to see you guys next year. You know, like it was heartbreaking. Like there's just no, uh, if you read my film room thing this week, <laughs> you'll notice that my tone kind of changed from when they take the field against they, Georgia or whatever they, to yeah. whenever they take the field. Yeah, again. yeah, oh. that's true. Yeah. Oh, but um, so all right, so let's 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 kind of uh, set the the table, so to speak, right? So we know the Big Ten, no conference, excuse me, conference only games. Um, the Pac-12 have they officially announced? That it's going to be conference only? Yeah. Okay. So basically, there's also apparently a chance, according to the guy from Chick-fil-A, or the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Um, <laughs> it's just some guy from sorry. Chick-fil-A told me Bob when I was who, in the drive-thru. Bob, who works the drive-thru, right, uh, who says, uh, who, who makes sure he always job. says, who always says, uh, my pleasure. My pleasure, yeah, um, of course. 
But so the guy from the Chick-fil-A Bowl essentially says, listen, they could essentially move things around and it, it could end up being Virginia, West Virginia to open the season if the ACC allows for non-conference games. That would almost be perfect up like a perfect kind of middle ground for what Broncos talking about. Right. With the whole um, regional versus conference, you know, that like realistically, like as much as he wants to play conference games and play for a championship, if you're not going to be able to do that, play regional games because then you're playing against, you know, people, then you don't have to travel as far and such and such and such. How do we feel about Virginia opening up the season against West Virginia? I literally know nothing about the Mountaineers other than um, I, I never want to drive through Morgantown ever again in my life. Um, <laughs> what, do we, what do we think about that? From a football standpoint, it's a much easier game. Like, I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of a given. Um, they are less than Georgia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the thing to me, like, I don't want to get into the logistics really, but I don't understand why they would want to. I mean, I know why the Chick-fil-A people want to have the game, but, like, why would UVA play West Virginia and Atlanta? Like, I mean, in this current climate, it's like, it seems so weird to me. Um, I, my, the thing logistically with that, too, is, like, West Virginia is in the Big 12. They play nine games in their conference because everybody plays everybody. The ACC plays eight. So I don't know how that works unless the ACC was like, we're playing 10 games and two out of, you can play two out of conference or something. Um, but, I mean, I think the Chick-fil-A people are trying to get creative, and I applaud them. But, yeah, from a football standpoint, they're in their second year under Coach Neil Brown, who replaced Dana Holgerson. Um, actually, it might be his third year there. I don't know. I can't keep up with this stuff anymore. Yeah, they've been kind of off the radar. So. <laughs> second year, right? Yeah. I mean, they've been kind of off the radar the last few years. Like, they took a little bit of a dip. Um if I had to guess, if there was like a spread on that game, I think it would be like a pick 'em, or UVA might be like a favorite. Um, I think West Virginia is probably like I, I haven't really like looked at them this year, but I would assume they're probably going to be like a six and six ish sort of team. What are you? I couldn't you name one player on their roster. Though, right? Yeah, I, I think there's a couple kids who who chose West Virginia that Virginia had recruited, but like I can't, you know. Uh, what do you think, Dave? Do you like this idea? Do you care? <laughs> that sounds mean. I mean, look, I'll take playing anybody um, at this point. But I mean, the idea is kind of head scratching. Um, no, you know, like Justin said, the concept of going to Atlanta to play West Virginia when you could drive like you know, each drive sixty miles. And yeah, play I mean, each just other think about them field. having to fly down there, <laughs> yeah. like to play in an empty stadium. It just seems yeah. weird to me. Yeah, I mean, I think it, the Chick-fil-A people are like, please let us keep our game. So, like, that's what they want, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of places they could meet between Charlottesville and Morgantown to play, and it could still be on TV with Chick-fil-A ads. Um, but the matchup, I mean, look. Yeah, I don't want to dog the West Virginia fan base too much. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're neighboring states. Um, it's definitely better than Georgia uh, after playing, you know, Clemson, Florida, West Virginia sounds better than Clemson, Florida, Georgia. But, I mean, it, it all depends on what the ACC decides to do. Like, if the ACC decides to do some weird pod thing where Virginia's playing Virginia Tech twice or, you know, there were a couple of good teams twice, Carolina, Virginia Tech, or still playing their Clemson game, then I don't really want to play anyone outside of, of that bubble. Um, so, I don't know. I'll take any football I can get. It's just, like, I don't know what I would take West Virginia over Georgia if I had to, just because I think it's more winnable. But I mean, it doesn't excite me. Um, the concept of football without consequence excites me, and I don't think that's possible. So I'm going to tell a, um, a really dumb story, but it's going to illustrate a point. You're just going to have to walk with me. So um, right before um, the shutdown happened, I started work on on a new tap t- on a new tattoo. And there's several sessions this is going to take. And basically, once you know, once everything happened, you know, you can't go to a tattoo establishment. Okay, fine. So it took a while before you, Virginia got to phase whatever to say yes, these places can open. And every time I get close to an appointment now, where I'm going to go back and have some more work done, like in the days before that, there's a part of me that kind of is like, I just, I just want to get to that day. And then, and then that night, if they, if they say, you know, we got to back it down. Da, 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 da. I kind of feel that way about football. Like I kind of just want to get to a place where like the teams are there, they're going to play, the game is playing, and like I don't care what happens that night. I just want to see a game, you know. And I, I think that there's probably a whole lot of people out there who would really love to just see a game. I mean that the the basketball tournament that just um, finished up. I mean I, I think a lot of people watch that simply because they just literally wanted to watch anything. Um, and if the NBA or MLB or NHL or whoever can get there 
their league, their bubble off the ground, the numbers are going to be massive because fan people are just bored. They just they need some escape. I mean, he, we have a sports podcast and we can't go tw- ten minutes without like talking about something that is utterly depressing, um, and that's just the reality of the situation, right? Um, there's no there's no there's no um, off ramp of that until you get through it. Um, so I, I like to think that that our that that our feeling in the spring about that it would be clear in the fall that now as we approach the you know the the coming end of summer August feels like it's right around the corner. Um, as we get closer to that, maybe we can think like okay by winter you know maybe we can have those thoughts. Um, but it's tough, and I think everybody right now would just love to watch some sports. And I, I do think that the leagues and the you know whether that's college football or whoever. Um, they're going to do everything they can if they can to do it. Um, but you only need to look around like at your, you know, whether it's the school district where you live or the ones around where you live in the different ways that everybody's doing this. Bronco has a point when he talks about standardized protocols and sort of the idea of like, Hey, if everybody does it like this, um, maybe, maybe they've got a shot, but not everybody's doing it like this. Everybody's doing it their own way. There's no real guiding hand from the NCAA. And frankly, you know, we can. I, I, I do want to avoid the politics of it all um, from the national, federal, you know, level in terms of its response to the pandemic. But in terms of the NCAA, it's very similar to me in the sense that, like, this was an opportunity for the NCAA to really be sort of on top of it, and the NCAA has been completely, um, you know, kind of abdicating its responsibility to me. Like, just basically let everybody, you know, they they'll put the plan out, and you know, the, oh, this is when the mandatory workouts workouts are. But there, there's no like, hey, you've got to do it like this, and everybody does it the same. Let them, you know, every every bit of the paint on a basketball floor is mandated, right? But when it comes to this stuff, no, no, y'all just figure it out, um, and we'll see. You know, I just think that that is that has definitely shone a light on, to me at least, on the le- the lack of um, true um, sort of um, cohesion at that level, and the and what that can mean for the for the schools that are uh, a part of the group. Um, but maybe that's just me. I don't know. No, I mean, I, I think one of the things that concerns me is we're like we're mid July now, right? Can you guys tell me like, so the thought of why we need to play football is the money, right? They they've got you know, that's what it boils down to. Like the athletic departments need the money for football. Um, obviously, we all want to play football. The players want to play football is what they know. But the, the ultimate reason why you're rushing to try to get it in, doing everything you can, is to pay out. But have you heard anything from the networks? You know, there all these net all these conferences have deals with the networks if they only get two games in they're probably not getting their full payment like you know these networks have lawyers too they're not going to pay you your normal payout for two games where you know you mean if they had to like cancel or something yeah so like have they gotten in have you guys heard of anything because i haven't of no network saying you need to get this much we need to see this many games for you to get your normal payout that I think is the um, that I think is the solution to the issue that you brought up earlier about yeah. teams like kind of quitting halfway through the season. Basically, mm-hmm. I think you could have individual players do that, but I think the universities would be kind of bound because they're probably going to make them sign something saying they have to like play the games if they can, just because to avoid that um, for TV purposes or whatever. Or they would be like, you're not going to get any TV money from us if you don't play your games. Um, as a league, but yeah, I think the problem. Yeah, I think that what would happen is they would only get a, like a fraction of the of the money owed. I don't think the league or like ESPN would pay out games that they didn't broadcast. Um, yeah. Having said that, I think this year I don't. ESPN is not going to be trying to pay any more money, obviously this year. But I hope if there is football or whatever, they get creative like the Premier League did. Whereas like in in the Premier League, you know, there's no fans in the stadiums and normally they like kind of suppress TV there. And I was asking people when I was over there, why they do that. And they were telling me basically like over there, they have a different culture and they're not like obsessed with TV as we are. Um, and so like, they don't want every game to be on TV because they're afraid if every game becomes on TV, people will like not be as interested in going and the sport just kind of becomes more homogenized and, and, and they still want to like, they, they, they want people to go to the games and, like they want that to be sort of the way you watch the team um and i don't know it seems kind of weird but that's i I guess i get it but now like with no fans they've spread the kickoff times out so like way more games are on tv than have ever been before so they had to like basically break their contract to do that um i would like to see college football do the same thing 
if there's no fans, why can't we play at 9 a.m.? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why can't there be earlier games and later games on the West Coast and just get creative with it, right? So. Yeah, I mean, you'd think that they're going to want to because they're going to want to basically spam the entire, yeah. um, you know, What the, else do they have to put it. on? I mean, I mean, they might have some other stuff to put on, but, like, because you're not going to have on game Saturdays, day. like what else is on? So. Yeah, you're not going to have game day where everybody floods the school and da, 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 da. you might have a handful of media people who are you know six feet apart. And even if, talking even about if stuff. you want to keep game day on the ESPN network on ESPN two, you can throw on Arkansas Vanderbilt at nine in the morning. Or, like it's not there's no one there. It's like what's the difference? Um, yeah, I agree. Um, I want to talk. We're, yeah, I get, before we get for, go ahead, Dave. What were we going to say? No, I was going to say. I guess my point is like I, I'm hoping. The TV network, you know, ESPN in particular, CBS, NBC, all of those guys are in communication with the conferences and giving them like a like a, a baseline. Like if you guys can get an eight game season in, we're comfortable paying you our normal payout. Because right. at some point, the rate of return doesn't make sense, and I don't know if the conferences. Because I mean, I can tell you right now, like I'm sure if if ESPN came to everyone and said, "Hey, get us eight games this year for you know," and you get your full allotment then they'll come up with a schedule to get eight games and figure out a way to do it safely within a three or four month window. But if they don't have guidance, they're just guessing. So maybe I'm sure they're in talks on the, the back channels. And maybe that's why we're waiting to hear to August. But to me, like that's the most important part of information because the risk you take trying to have a normal season when they could still not pay you because you only pay, they only pay you 20% for paying two games. Why not wait? Um, so, I hope those conversations are happening. One thing I want to toss out before we wrap up this week, um, the idea of basically taking football season and moving it. Um, we haven't really discussed that much here, and I wouldn't mind having a, uh, a short, at least a short discussion about the possibility of playing the season later. So the idea that, um, let's say under in this scenario, instead of the season starting as it would normally start, that basically it gets delayed until you know December, January. Now, I'm just going to put this out there. That's cold. Like in a lot, in a lot of places, that's going to be super duper, super duper cold. Um, by the time we get to November, you know, I've definitely been, you know, to Charlottesville, Blacksburg or wherever, where it's, it's bad. Um, that being said, let's just put the weather part of it out of it. And let's just focus on the potential for moving it. Um, I, I don't know if that's necessarily a good idea right now um, because I don't know if you can really, anticipate the trends but if you know you can't play now and you or at least let's just let's let's say like this if you if you think there's a reasonable chance that you're not going to be able to play a full season but you think that maybe if you delayed it until january you could get a full season in um is that something that you think they should look at uh even if it means you know guys playing like and to your point earlier uh, Dave, about like you know who's playing and who you know who's who's worried about their draft stock. Let's just assume that we're not going to worry about that. We're we're just going to play, um, and then you're going to ask kids, I guess, to you know what take take the latter part of the spring and the summer off, and then come back and do it again in the fall potentially in 2021. Um, how do we feel about the the possibility of moving it? Ferber, let's start with you. What do you what do you think of the idea of moving it later, either in calendar 2020 or early 2021? Um, I think that they'll try to do whatever they can to play, but, um, there are some, I, I know some people are having trouble with the spring thing and I was reading some stuff earlier, kind of what Dave was talking about where players might just not play. Um, like if you're Trevor Lawrence and they're like, Hey, you're going to play eight games in the spring right before the NFL draft. I could see him just being like, uh, actually, no, I'm not going to do that. Like what's the benefit? Um, so I, I don't know how that would work. Um, it's it's so hard to project just because it's like an unprecedented sort of thing. I think the most I don't want to say the most likely scenario. I would I think the most workable scenario if they're able to play would be like and not on time would be like starting in the middle of October and just going until like the end of the year or something like that. Um, football season I think people think it's like really really long. College football is only three months. It's not like a you know five month sport. The only reason it takes that extra month is because there's like three weeks off in December before the bowl games. Um, but you know the regular season opener is is Labor Day weekend, and then the finale is Thanksgiving. It's like just just under three months usually. So um, if you started October fifteenth, you could probably get the season done by the end of the year, January. I mean somewhere in there. 
especially if you only play eight games. Um, moving to the spring just creates issues because then um, injuries are more of a problem. Like if a kid tears his ACL in the fifth game of the season, he's also going to miss the next season. Right? Whereas like if he does that in September, he could maybe be back for the next season. Um, also, I think the wear and tear on the bodies of the athletes will become a problem at the beginning of the next season when, when they've been playing football for eight straight months or whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, there are people that are a lot smarter than me trying to figure out how to make it work for spring um, if that's what they have to do. I just don't know what that looks like, not to mention all the headaches you have with other sports trying to play at the same time, whereas they normally wouldn't. Um, I know people have said, like, hey, play basketball when you normally play and play football in the spring. It's like, how do you play football and basketball at the same time? You were just talking about ESPN TV. Like, how do they broadcast two different sports like that at the same time? I mean, you'd have to, like, radically redo all your TV. Um, how does CavsCorner.com cover two sports in the peaking at the same time? I don't know. Um, but, you know, hopefully they can figure something out. I, I think everybody will take what they can get over nothing. Um but there could be enough hurdles outside of the coronavirus to spring to make them just punt on the whole thing. Uh, it just depends on you know how workable that is for everybody. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I, mean, I feel pretty much the same. Um, I mean, even if you assume every kid's going to play, like the logistics of moving it to the spring and the shorter offseason and NFL draft, which would fall in the middle of the season, you know, in that scenario, um, gets a little complicated. If you push it up to so like you know, Virginia is talking about playing high school football basically from February to May, uh, and that in their option three that they're going to be voting on. Um, but so even if you moved it up to December and finished the season in in March, which would make a little more sense, you're still. I mean, my thing is like we can say like yeah, that's better than nothing, but the the guys who are going to make this decision, the ones that have a lot of clout, are, are the big program with a lot of players who are looking at the NFL, and that's going to be a rate-limiting factor for this whole thing. Um, maybe it, it shouldn't be. I mean, it probably shouldn't be, but I, I think it will. To me, and not to my whole horn, the best plan I've seen so far is when someone came up with on the podcast last week, which is I have two weeks between games. and. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because then you don't have to pay for testing. We should have that guy on. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, I don't... I don't mean to be that guy saying, hey, I think I came up with a good idea. But honestly, I think it's one of the best ideas I've seen still is to have two weeks between games and just having conferences starting on different weeks. So this is ACC and Big Ten week, and this is SEC and Pac-12 week. Yeah, see, that was what I liked with your schedule was colluding the leagues where it's like you could play half the teams one week, the other half the next. That way you don't have, like, no TV to put on, right? Yeah, like, and if you got two weeks, you know, with that built-in extra week, like, not only that, you're saving money on testing. Like, you don't have to test everyone. You can wait a few days and see if they get symptoms and then test them. Because if you look at some of the costs that, God, I can't remember what school it was, but it was, I think it was Texas Tech or, or some team there. And they had estimated they'd already spent 100 grand on testing, you know, in, in the first three weeks. Like, those numbers add up. That, that could be money you're paying the players for choosing to play. Um, I, mean, I, I think there's ways to get it done. If anything, this is going to make not having a governing body with teeth over uh, over sports. You know, I know the schools like to have power, but they've got to figure something out. Like it is absolutely ridiculous that we're mid July and we don't have a clue how this thing's going to look. Um, it's not like COVID. You can understand it with the NCAA tournament, right? Like it came late and it was just safe to cancel it all, keep everyone safe, and figure it out. But, you know, we're talking about we didn't think football would be affected. Well, they should have been planning it was affected. If they were had effective leadership in the NCAA and to their member schools, there would be a lot more answers right now than there are. Um, so, you know, hopefully that improves out of, after this. And there's going to be some players who, you know, who, who don't get to play. You know, there's the year they've been working for. And short term, that sucks. But long term, maybe this helps get amateur sports the way it should be <laughs> maybe not an amateur um i don't know it's just yeah I, mean, I don't think any of us know what the answer is we all we all want sports we all, and you know here's the thing most of the players want to play right but it's just yeah it's not like like kids. we all want it and the schools are like you can't have it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, right, like they want right. to play too 
But we and also, also like kids I, and they make bad decisions. So you've got to protect them from themselves and Tom. And and to get to your point of leadership really quickly, I'm I'm not breaking any news or like covering any ground that, you know, national writers haven't already covered. But I do think that one of the sort of unintended consequences or maybe intended in a, in a way um, of this pandemic and everything with college football is that I could see this accelerating the power five sort of becoming their own thing and just like needing a commissioner basically and just saying, you know what, it would work a lot better if we could. And, and I said something like this on, I think it was on the podcast last week um, about scheduling closer to the actual season than now. And I didn't mean like scheduling in June for September. I mean like scheduling the year before the games as opposed to these home and homes that get scheduled 14, 15 years in yeah. advance. Brett like, McMurphy says in make, 20, 29, Virginia and so-and-so-and-so are going to yeah, play it too. Doesn't right? make, Virginia Tech is going to Madison and, and to play Wisconsin in like 2034 or something. Like what? Like what is the point of scheduling that far out? I know it's to reserve the spot basically, but like – it would be cool if, if um, you know, like the ACC Big Ten Challenge works pretty well because they don't schedule the games eight years in advance. <laughs> they schedule them the year that they they, they kind of can look at the matchups and say, what would be good TV? Because that's what it's really for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, like, if you had a Power Five that was, like, an autonomous sort of body, it's like, all right, we could – I'm not saying, like, the schools don't get to pick their games, but, like, you can create more, like, interesting matchups and things – and maybe have a more flexible scheduling model where, like, um, like for example, Clemson, instead of playing, like, a rotating schedule of the Coastal Division teams, since they won the Atlantic, they would match up the next year with, like, the team that won the Coastal. So, like, you would have, like, like the NFL does. Um, that Obviously, that ended up happening anyway because UVA is supposed to play Clemson this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, stuff like that to kind of, like, make more interesting matchups get better because you get better tv that way i mean you get more better you know better games better tv everybody wins and the power five can figure out like how big they want their playoff to be how it works with scheduling teams that aren't in the power five in this sort of situation they could have like an they could be like you know what everybody's going to eight games and we're going to make the schedule and that's how it's going to work that sort of thing um but yeah like dave said like the ncaa they're very quick to like deal out these punishments and things like that, but they're not very quick to like lead on anything. They're just like, oh yeah, you guys go ahead and do whatever. Um, we'll we'll support you whatever you decide to do. So, I mean, what's the? They're not really as involved with football anyway. So I could see this sort of thing. Five years from now, we could look back and be like, that's what ended up being the catalyst to spur on this like new Power Five thing that exists. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a good place to put a pen in it. You guys got anything else uh, on this specific topic before we wrap up this week? No. <laughs> Save it for next time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, I, uh, I, I'm very appreciative of everybody who continues to listen to the show, despite the fact that we have no, um, no real sports to, uh, <laughs> to talk about if you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a, a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. And if you're so inclined, give us a rating and review. helps to get us out of more, in front of more people, and we very much appreciate that. If you are somebody who um, has found the website, has not given us a look yet, check us out, calvescorner.com. Um, Let's see. What else? What do I, what do I have uh, on, the, on, on, the, on, the, uh, on the good old website? Um I've got um, three-star safety Jonas Sanker, who um, committed to the Cavaliers this weekend. Um, had a really interesting conversation with him about it. Um, kids, one of seven siblings, or excuse me, one of seven kids in his family, uh, flipped from Boston College. Um, just a really interesting kid, and uh, really appreciate him giving me some time. Uh, we had notes from Broncos video conference, and then I mentioned that I had that that uh, story slash column about the logistical pieces and the safety. And then Ferber did another film room. Um, where he talked about the inside linebackers and made a curious decision. I will note to, to add Matt uh, Gam in there um, in that one. I thought it was actually very interesting the way you did that and, and kind of compared him because in a lot of ways he's not Snowden or Taylor or maybe what they traditionally might use at. uh, Yeah. It just didn't really work because I wrote all this stuff and I had Gam like in that article originally, but I wrote all this stuff about like how UVA likes these bendy at long athletic, like almost DB like, outside linebackers and then gam was there and i was like well he was an inside linebacker that they moved so he doesn't really fit what i'm trying to talk about but you know it, it worked out okay the snyder thing not being in there was just a function of 
he didn't play very much because he got hurt. So there wasn't a lot to look at. I mean, I could have ran through his numbers and stuff, but there weren't a lot of plays to, to break down. So, um, yes, I mean, I, get I, off I, my I, back, people. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to, email Ferber. Um, yeah, I'm just so, kidding, of course. Thanks no, for he's not. He's not. So, again, I want to thank everybody for continuing to support the show. Uh, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being graciously of their time, as always. I very much appreciate it. Um, I want to let you know that before the show began, Ferber texted and said basically he did not want to talk about this again. Um, hopefully we'll have something else to talk about next week. Um, but if not, maybe we'll uh, we'll have an actual schedule to talk about. Who knows? Um, so for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.